now, time for seafood news. You're listening to the Seafood News Podcast. I'm Seafood News staff writer Amanda Buckle, and this week's episode is brought to you by Erner Berry's Reporter, the quarterly news magazine for the food industry professional, packed with the latest industry headlines, analysis, and trending articles. Contact advertise at earnerberry.com to be a featured sponsor in the spring edition of the Reporter, which is distributed to thousands of protein industry professionals, including a 5,500 bonus distribution to attendees at Seafood Expo North America in Boston. Make sure you are in front of your customers. So I'm actually running the show solo today. My co-host Lauren Castiglione is out, so I shouldn't be getting too off track here, but hey, you never know. Um, I was actually considering uh, pretending to be Lauren, doing a couple uh, voices, you know, just to mix things up. I do a really great uh, Mrs. Doubtfire impression. Hello. Um, but I'm probably just going to read the news straight. You know, no one wants to, no one wants to hear that. Um, but, uh, you know, just to keep Lauren with us here in spirit, I'm going to kick things off with the Haddock analysis that she's uh, written up here. Um, so most recently, Haddock has been experiencing major supply issues out of both Russia and Norway from the Barents Sea as well as from Iceland, demanding premiums on all sizes across the board. While the Icelandic haddock quota for the 2019 fishing season was increased to almost 58,000 metric tons, up from uh, just over 34,000 tons, the Barents Sea heeded the advice recommended by the International Council for the Exploration of the Sea by reducing their quota 15% to 172,000 metric tons for the upcoming season, but not by the total recommended 25% reduction originally advised. So September imports out of Russia diminished 93% from the previous month, registering almost 8,500 pounds, down from 120,000 pounds back in August. While imports from Norway did not bring any volume into the U.S. for the month of September, August imports from Norway totaled uh, almost 36,000 pounds. Average wholesale prices are currently quoted at $4.50 a pound, while product was 60 cents less at $3.90 a pound, uh, $3.90 pounds, sorry, in November 2017. Moving along, we've got an update on Franklin Freddy Me Vasquez, the man who allegedly attacked three crew members, one fatally, off the Massachusetts coast back in September. So far, though, uh, those unfamiliar with the story, Vasquez, a Mexican national, was arrested and charged with murder back in September after reportedly assaulting three crew members with a hammer and a knife. The captain of the vessel placed a call on the distress channel and a German cruise ship ended up taking the wounded crew members on board, where one of the men was pronounced dead. A federal grand jury has now indicted Vasquez on one count of murder in the second degree, one count of attempted murder, and one count of assault with a dangerous weapon. He faces up to life in prison, five years of supervised release, and a $250,000 fine if convicted of the second degree murder charge. He could also face up to 20 years behind bars, three years of supervised release, and a $250,000 fine if found guilty of the attempted murder charge. And he can face up to 10 years in prison, three years of supervised release, and a $250,000 fine if convicted of the assault charge. Moving along, the bitter intra-industry fight over the certification of fishing vessel America's Finest has ended with the approval by the Senate of a Jones Act waiver. The House has already twice approved such a waiver, and the waiver, which was heavily sought by Washington Senator Maria Cantwell, will prevent the Anacortes Bay shipyard Dakota Creek from going under. The $75 million vessel ordered by Fisherman's Finest would have had to be sold at substantial loss if it could not get a U.S. fishery endorsement. Now, Dakota Creek has maintained that putting too much foreign steel in the vessel was an inadvertent mistake, but critics claim the, com the company knew it was, make, uh, it was taking a chance. 
since the controversy, Dakota Creek has moved to bring the cold form steel technology used in the form panels to the U.S. The Senate's bill waiver is conditional, calling for the U.S. Secretary of Commerce to revoke the waiver should an investigation find the Jones Act violation was intentional. On to the next story. According to the U.S. Patent Office, Clearwater Seafoods was granted a patent on November 12th for a vision system that identifies the molt sage lobsters. Now, I'm thinking of like, you ever see in uh, like the old cartoons, like the the eyes, like you put the glasses on and the eyes are all like swirling. That's what I'm envisioning this, uh, this vision test to look like. Um, but the system would replace a blood protein analysis and other means of determining the overall quality and amount of uh, meat in a live lobster. And the system is designed to be non-invasive and operate on a conveyor belt. Pretty cool. Um, the lobsters could be sorted by size, molt condition, and quality based on the vision system. Um, I'm going to keep doing the wah wah because that's all I think about when I hear vision system. But uh, according to the patent filing, the vision system wah wah consists of a camera that photographs a lobster using both visible infrared and ultraviolet light spectrums. By comparing the patterns established with these images, the software can make a determination as to molt stage. So pretty cool. So something to keep an eye on there from Clearwater. Uh, moving along, Cook Seafood USA has announced that they are investing in their Suffolk, Virginia facility, adding a corporate office, jobs, and additional production capacity. So Cook, within the next three years, will actually be hiring um, approximately 70 employees at the Suffolk. Uh, Suffolk. Yeah, I'm, I feel like I'm saying that weird, but um, at that facility. And uh, Cook Seafood USA CEO Ross Butler sent a press release that the company is excited to further expand their operations and uh, solidify their position as a global seafood leader and that their new investment will enhance their current capabilities, but also provide them with the opportunity for future growth. So congrats to them and, and good luck with that uh, expansion. Um, now, before I wrap things up, we also have another executive appointment announcement. Uh, Blaine Shortreed, the former vice president of operations for Pizza Hut USA, has been named the new chief operating officer at Long John Silver's. Uh, Long John Silver's CEO, James O'Reilly, said that, you know, the company is continuing the process of innovation and sharing their story with loyal customers. And that Blaine, as a veteran in the quick service uh, restaurant industry, um, they know that he'll be a great asset to the brand as they continue to evolve. So uh, Short Read actually has um, 25 years of global franchise operations experience. You know, and as I mentioned before, he worked for Pizza Hut, where prior to becoming VP of operations for Pizza Hut USA, he worked as a managing director of Pizza Hut's Middle East, North Africa business. Um, You know, the Short Read said in a statement that Long John Silver's has been a brand to watch over the last decade and the growth they've achieved is remarkable and the executive team is steering the brand towards continued success, and he hopes to uh, look forward to becoming a part of the growth and innovation. So congrats to Short Read on his uh, new role at Long John Silvers. And for our final story of the day, this is one that cracked me up at the beginning of the week. A uh, fish and chip shop in England uh, gave their customers quite a surprise when they ordered you know, fish and chips. So customers, you know, thought they were getting their battered fish. Instead, what they found was battered plastic. Now, I had to watch the video to see it for myself because I was thinking that somebody would choke on this plastic, but they had like full bottles, like plastic bottles, just large chunks of plastic battered like it was fish and then put on the plate. Um, It wasn't a joke. Uh, Patrons, you know, they're they're saying one said, God, that's plastic. And you think I'm feeding the kids that? Um, And they were pretty angry, but it was actually a stunt that was part of Plastic Ocean UK's 
Future Fish and Chips campaign, hashtag Future Fish and Chips. So a global effort, um, it's part of a global effort by environmental groups and the UN to pare back single plastic use that is also clogging landfills. Um, the organization says that there are currently over 8 million tons of plastic estimated to enter the ocean each year, and it's predicted to increase over 20 million tons by 2030, which is insane. So uh, hopefully this, this little stunt you know, kind of opened up some people's eyes to, to what's going on out there in the ocean and all the plastic, and hopefully we can cut that back so that we're, we're not at 20 million tons by 2030. So we'll have to see how that goes, but uh, definitely check out Plastic Oceans UK's website, hashtag future fish and chips campaign as well, to see the video where they uh, kind of prank customers with uh, the, the battered plastic. And that about does it on my end. Thanks for listening without Lauren. Um, you're listening to the CFA News Podcast as always. And it is brought to you by Erna Barry's Reporter, the quarterly news magazine for the food industry professional. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Bye-bye.